2 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 1. 2 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 1. And David numbered the people that were with him and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. Now, we have here an account of the defeat of Absalom's rebellion against his own father, David. David has had to flee from Jerusalem, and Absalom's army is now pursuing him. David is organising his forces as Absalom plans his final onslaught against him so as to make his coup d'etat irreversible. Now David's force is much smaller than Absalom's, uh, possibly only around uh, 4,000 men. Uh, We are told in verse 2, And David sent forth a third part of the people under the hand of Joab, and a third part under the hand of Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, and a third part under the hand of Ittai, the Gittite. Now, Joab and Abishai are experienced commanders, Uh, Whilst Ittai, interestingly, uh, was a Philistine uh, from the city of Gath, uh, where Goliath came from. Uh, And and so he was a Gentile, uh, but one who nevertheless uh, had recently joined himself to David's cause. Um, We read... Um, of Ittai's faithfulness uh, in, in the uh, chapter 15 of um, 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 15. And Ittai answered the king and said, As the Lord liveth, and as my lord the king liveth, in what place my lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also, Will thy servant be? That's verse 21 of uh, chapter 15. Whether in death or life, even there also will thy servant be. So that's how this Gentile um, showed his commitment to King David. And um, these Gentiles, uh, such as Ittai, who would align themselves with the people of God in the Old Testament period are, of course, a foreshadowing of the great influx of the Gentiles uh, with the coming of the greater David, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we further read in this verse 2 of chapter 18, And the king said unto the people, I will surely surely go forth with you myself also to lead the army. That that is David's desire. But verse 3, the people answered, 
thou shalt not go forth, for if we flee away, they will not care for us. Neither if half of us die will they care for us. But now thou art worth ten thousand of us, therefore now it is better that thou succour us out of the city. And so David's men here tell him that he must not lead the army because he will be the prime target of Absalom's forces. And David's life, uh, in, in, in terms of this conflict, this, uh, this coup d'etat, is far more important than the lives of anybody else. Obviously, all lives are equally important, but um, if David's life is taken, then Absalom has won the day. He will have accomplished everything that he wants. So David will be of more help or succour to his men if he remains uh, with a contingent of soldiers in the city of Mahanaim, his current location, uh, which is in Gilead, uh, near the border of the territory of God. And so, verse 4, um, the king said unto them, what seemeth you best, I will do. Uh, and, and so here, here we see a, a measure of modesty and, and humility uh, in David as a man of God, uh, listening to the advice of his well-meaning friends. And the king stood by the gate side and all the people came out by hundreds and by thousands. And so David uh, stays behind in Mahanim whilst his forces go out to engage Absalom and the rebels. Uh, verse 5, And the king commanded Joab and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captain's charge concerning Absalom. And so here David is commanding his men in front of everyone not to kill Absalom in battle, but to ensure that he lives. Uh, he is, of course, talking about his own son. But what he needs to remember is he's also talking about someone who has wickedly usurped his throne. Now, as a father, his concern is understandable. Uh, but Absalom, uh, according to the law, according to all justice, is certainly worthy of death. Uh, he is guilty of treason and he is guilty of seeking his own father's life. Now, David, as a believer, uh, may be longing that his son has further opportunity to repent of all his sins. But Absalom, of course, has already had 
ample opportunity, ample exposure to the word of God. And he has refused to submit to it. Uh, Verse 6, so the people went out into the field against Israel. And the battle was in the wood of Ephraim. So David's army has crossed back to the western side of um, the Jordan. Mahanaim, where David is, being east of the Jordan River, uh, near another river called the River Jabbok. Uh, And battle is joined uh, in a part of Ephraim, uh, which is a a rugged and well-forested area known as the Wood of Ephraim. Uh, and, And this is significant, the terrain in which the battle is being fought. It's not being fought on the open plain, but in a rugged and uh, highly forested area. Verse 7, when the people of Israel were slain before the servants of David, and and was there a great slaughter that day of 20,000 men. And so, in the providence of God, even though David's force of soldiers is much smaller, uh, the battle is going in David's favour because he is, after all, Israel's rightful king. Verse 8 For the battle was there scattered over the face of all the country. And so it was not a set battle in in a fairly confined area, as it were, uh, but spread out uh, over this uh, rugged area full of many trees. And so we're told in verse 8 that the wood devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. And imagine the difficulties of engaging in a pitched battle in the middle of a forest. Uh, People moving quickly. Uh, But you've got all these obstacles in the way, namely, of course, the trees. Scripture plainly teaches that the Lord controls the outcome of battles. Uh, David's men are granted the upper hand. But a great number of Absalom's troops are killed, not just in the fighting, but also through the perils of the difficult terrain. Uh, Because not only were there many trees which made fast movement and um, fast reaction against a battle situation very difficult, uh, the area was also full of pits and crevasses uh, and other obstacles because it was very rugged country and, and it made fast movement treacherous. Verse 9. 
And so it, it was the terrain which was causing many of Absalom's troops to be killed. Now, again, this is in the providence of God because it was the Lord who had ordained the place where the battle would be fought. And this particularly put Absalom's men at a disadvantage. Verse 9, And Absalom met the servants of David, and Absalom rode upon a mule. And the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak, and his head caught hold of the oak. And he was taken up between the heaven and the earth. And the mule that was under him went away. So Absalom sees how the battle is going and he tries to flee on his mule. But as he does so, his head is caught on a low-hanging bough and he is literally left hanging in mid-air as the mule carries on running further forward but he, the rider, is left hanging in mid-air. And of course this uh, makes Absalom uh, a completely easy target um, for David's men. There's just nothing that David can do to extricate himself from this situation and and indeed in God's providence a very humiliating situation for the leader of an army to find himself in. Verse 10 and a certain man saw it and told Joab and said behold I saw Absalom hanged in an oak and Joab said unto the man that told him and behold thou sawest him And why didst thou not smite him there to the ground? And I would have given thee ten shekels of silver and a girdle. Now we recall that David had issued orders that Absalom's life be spared. Now, Joab, as um, a very getting on with the job commander, just thinking about the military situation, thinking about the political situation, who Absalom was, he was a traitor, he was a genuinely wicked man. Uh, Joab's reaction is to this soldier who saw Absalom hanging from a tree, why did you not kill him? Absalom was also an adulterer. You see, all the soldiers fighting for David were risking their lives to put down this rebellion that Absalom had instigated. So justice demanded Absalom's death. And Joab realised that. He was no fool. He tells the soldier who had seen Absalom trapped amongst the boughs of the tree that he would have rewarded him and given him a 
girdle, that's a, a military badge of honour, had he killed Absalom. Verse 12, And the man said unto Joab, Though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in mine hand, yet would I not put forth mine hand against the king's son. For in our hearing the king charged thee and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Beware that none touch the young man Absalom. Otherwise I should have wrought falsehood, otherwise I should have wrought falsehood against mine own life. For there is no matter hid from the king, and thou thyself would have set thyself against me. Now, the soldier here speaks good sense. He is rightly very loyal to David. How could he have possibly disobeyed the king's direct command not to kill Absalom? Indeed, if he had killed Absalom, it would have put his own life in danger. Now, Joab, of course, realises that the soldier's argument is valid and so does not respond to him. He simply says, verse 14, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom, while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. And ten young men that bear Joab's armour compassed about and smote Absalom and slew him. So here we (coughs) see that Joab helped by his armour-bearers, now himself executes the rebel Absalom. Now, he is acting ruthlessly as a cold politician of a man and as a calculating military leader. Yet, what Absalom does is, as we have said, not contrary to the demands of justice for such a traitor and such a wicked man as Absalom was. Verse 16. And Joab blew the trumpet, and the people returned from pursuing after Israel. For Joab held back the people. It's interesting, is it not, that those who are fighting for Absalom are called Israel because most of the population of Israel followed the rebel Absalom, uh, which was a deep tragedy because David, of course, was God's appointed king. Remember, this is a civil war. And so we're told in verse 16, the people returned from pursuing after Israel. Joab held back the people. Joab does not pursue his own countrymen, even though they have behaved in a rebellious manner. 
And Absalom knows, you see, he's an astute politician, Absalom, uh, Joab. Absalom knows that the people will not continue their rebellion now that the ringleader, Absalom, is dead. Verse 17. They took Absalom and cast him into a great pit in the wood and laid a very great heap of stones upon him. And all Israel fled every one to his tent. And so we see that there was no honourable burial for this wicked son of David. What an ignominious end he meets with. He's cast into a great pit in the middle of the forest. Verse 18. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and reared up for himself a pillar, a great monument, which is in the king's dale. The king's dale is the Kidron Valley near to Jerusalem. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. And he called the pillar after his own name. And it is called unto this day Absalom's place. And so Absalom had gone to the trouble of erecting a monument to himself to perpetuate his own memory. That tells us something about the pride in the heart of Absalom. Instead of worrying about the perpetuity of his memory, he should have been worrying about the perpetuity of his soul. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What use was that monument with Absalom suffering in hell? Verse 19. Then said Ahimeaz, the son of Zadok, let me now run and bear the king tidings, how that the Lord hath avenged him of his enemies. Now, Ahimeaz was a godly young priest, and one of the messengers who had conveyed information to the fugitive David about Absalom's plans, uh, having at one stage uh, ha having had to hide in a well to avoid being taken by Absalom's soldiers. Now, Ahimeaz knew that Absalom's defeat was the Lord's doing. Notice how he says in verse 19, how that the Lord hath avenged David of his enemies. And Ahimeaz was completely correct in saying that. David was the Lord's anointed king. But what are the spiritual lessons of this 
defeat of the rebellion of Absalom. Vital lessons for us today. Well, as always, when reading the Old Testament, uh, we must understand that it foreshadows the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all building up to his coming. David, in his own person, prophetically foreshadows his greater son, the Lord Jesus, Israel's true and rightful king. So there is much deeper significance to Absalom's rebellion than the the mere selfish ambition, political ambition, of an individual at a certain point in history. Absalom's opposition to David was in fact part of the Satan-inspired, God-rejecting rebellion that has been going on ever since the fall of man. From David would one day descend none other than the saviour of the world. What was Absalom trying to do? He was trying to kill the man whose descendant would be the saviour of all sinners. If Absalom had succeeded against David, God's whole plan of redemption for mankind would have been undermined. But of course, no one can thwart the purposes of God. And so, well, Millie says that hypothetically. But behind this rebellion is nothing less than the endeavour of Satan to thwart God's purposes decreed in eternity. So in Absalom's rebellion, we must see a far broader conflict than the mere control of ancient Israel. We are observing the cosmic spiritual conflict with the demonic forces of wickedness. A conflict which has been going on since the Garden of Eden and which will continue until the end of time. Satan, however, is powerless to overrule what God has decreed. He cannot defeat the house of David. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ who now sits on David's throne. Absalom had proudly set himself up against God's anointed king. Therefore, he was fighting against God himself. What a sorry end he meets with. How humiliating to be caught in the boughs of that tree, hanging in midair, unable to do anything. To get out of his predicament. And so we see his pride going before his destruction. 
people today who set themselves against the kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ should stop and consider that they can never succeed and that their end will be miserable indeed. This is brought home to us in Psalm number 2. Psalm 2 and verse 1. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. David was God's anointed. The Lord Jesus Christ is God's anointed one. Verse 4 of that psalm. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. This applies to all who rebel against the Lord Jesus Christ. Who do so today. Because the Father has appointed his Son as head over all things. Not to submit to the kingship of Christ is foolish, Satan-inspired rebellion which can never ultimately succeed. In Psalm 110 and verse 1, David describes the Lord Jesus Christ as his own Lord. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. So there in the Old Testament, we have a reference to the ascended Son of God. The Lord said unto my Lord, and so God the Father is saying these words to another, but another who has equal divine status because he shares the Father's throne. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. That's a prophecy of the ascension. And the ascended Christ now governs the whole earth. Our Lord's own contemporaries thought that they could reject his authority when they shouted out, crucify him. <coughs> but seven weeks later, on the day of Pentecost, Peter said this in Acts 2 and verse 36. Acts 2 verse 36. Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. The kingship of Christ, opposition to the house of David can never succeed. The kingship of Christ will always prevail. 
Acts 10, verse 36. Acts chapter 10 and verse 36 says of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. At the end of that verse, Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. And then verse 42 of Acts 10. Acts 10, 42, and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. And so the ascended Lord Jesus Christ is the judge of all people, living and dead. Every non-believer today should be thinking about the invincibility of the kingship of Jesus Christ and be trembling. They should stop and consider what happened to Absalom. Because those who are living today rejecting the authority of Christ the King are effectively doing what Absalom did. John 5, verse 22. This is what the Lord says about his own authority. John 5, 22. The Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. That all men should honour the Son, even as they honour the Father. He that honoureth not the Son, honoureth not the Father which hath sent him. So there can be no worship of the one true God unless there is the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ as the eternal Son of God. And this is why we do not have anything in common with other monotheistic religions in the Christian faith. And so we do not make common cause with Islam and Judaism, even though they are monotheistic. They do not worship the God whom we worship. They do not. Because he that honoureth not the Son, honoureth not the Father which hath sent him. If men do not acknowledge Jesus Christ for who he truly is, they are not worshipping God. Submission to Christ the King is not optional. There is no other way to God but through Jesus Christ. And he demands men's obedience. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. The world has no problems at all 
with the cuddly baby in the manger at Bethlehem. That's why they pack churches for carol services. They don't mind that. But they want nothing to do with Christ the King and the terrifying judge. Every deed and every word and every thought are going to be judged by Jesus Christ. Acts 17, verse 30. Acts 17, verse 30. God now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. God is going to judge the world in righteousness by Jesus Christ. And the resurrection of our Lord authenticates his authority as the judge. And rebellion against him, the head of the house of David, will always ultimately fail. That is what Absalom's rebellion and Absalom's sorry end are teaching us. We read of the exhortation of Christ in Ephesians 1 and verse 20. Ephesians 1 verse 20. He, that is the Father, raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet. Everything in this world is under the feet of the ascended Christ. He is exalted above all angelic power. Satan and all his evil spirits are under Christ's authority. Ultimately, they can do nothing without his permission. Right now, Absalom is suffering the condemnation of Christ upon him. All today who reject the authority of Jesus Christ are Absaloms. Proudly setting up monuments to themselves. Proudly thinking that they can resist the authority of the king whose authority can never be resisted. Therefore, we say to every atheist, every agnostic, every secularist, every fashionable liberal, every follower of any other religion, stop your futile rebellion against the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Stop being a reckless Absalom and realise that you are going to have to appear 
before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. All will one day have to bow down before Christ, the King of Kings. Amen.